Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I just want to say before we start, um, as far as our focus prayer this past week was on being an overcomer, and I was naturally just looking in the book of Jonah where he says, I was cast out and I was cast down. And he said, but once again, I will look towards the temple. And what he does, you can go to First Kings 8 and you can read about it, where he says, and we quote this a lot, where Solomon's praying and he said, if, if they can't get here, let them just look towards the temple. But let me tell you why. Two reasons. God said, I've put my name there. And my glory. I've put my name and my glory. It ain't looking to the building. The building ain't got nothing to do with it at this point. But I've put my name and I've put my glory there. So bring it to right now. So, and then it, you, you read in 1 Kings 8, it's just repeatedly my name, my name, my name. It's, a, it's just my name is full of it in 1 Kings 8. So bring it up to now. What do we do? We take his name. When we sing the victor's crown, it says, God, I just come in and fill this temple with your glory. Not this temple, this temple. And if you've got the Holy Ghost, you have this glory. This Holy Ghost put in you is the Spirit of God, which is the glory of God. So we have this. So that is why when we pray a focused prayer, it's just, it's just what we do. When we come together, we do pray. We do gain strength. But, as he said, our pastor tells us, when we do leave here, it is not leave, our prayer is not weakened when we leave here. For you have this treasure in a northern vessel, this glory you can take with you. So, that is how we have prayed this past week. We have focused ourselves, and we've had ourselves praying that we may do this. So now, to our lesson. And we, our second lesson is going to be a season of waiting so I was sort of, I was sort of shocked when I was asked to do this lesson because I am probably the least one to do a lesson on waiting. And then as I, um, I promise you, I do not like to wait. Um, that is in the human side of me, but the more I studied this and the more I just realized it's not it's just two different things. It's entirely two different things. For the mistake that I think that we make is we take our human terms and we try to apply them to spiritual things. Where it says waiting on the Lord is not waiting on humanity. It's two entirely different things. And I trust by the time that I'm through, I can help us understand that waiting on the Lord is not like waiting on you or waiting on me. It is entirely two different things. Entirely. For we just think that 
I'm telling you, I do not have, I'm 60 years old now, and I, I've, time has taught me a little bit on waiting, but I still don't have, if you tell me you're going to pick me up at 10 o'clock and you're not there at 10 o'clock, I'm in a foul mood at 10.01 because I'm thinking you don't value my time. I'm wasting my time waiting on you. And I can't help it. That's just the way I am. And if I tell you I'm going to pick you up, I want to be there early. That's just the way I am. But when it comes to the word the Bible says waiting on the Lord, we can't take that philosophy and put it to the Lord. Because when we want our prayer answered, then we're going to accuse the Lord. I wanted this answered Thursday. And here it is Sunday. And how come my prayer's not answered? I have been waiting. We can't take that philosophy with the Lord. Because it's wrong. We are waiting on the Lord. We are waiting. And that's what this lesson is about waiting. So let's go to the verse. Uh, it's in Galatians 6, 9. I'm going to have to try to move as quick as I can. But Galatians 6, 9. The Bible says it like this. Well, it would help me if I could find it first. Galatians 6, 9. It says somewhere. And let us be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I'll read it one more time. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season... We shall reap if we faint not. Now, I want to go right quick before I start. I want to go to the book of Ecclesiastes. Just follow me on the screen if you will. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1. You probably know this by heart. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Now, to everything, there is a season. We know that a season does not come to stay. It's a definite period of time. It's just going to be here for a allotted number of days, and the season will change. So there is, to everything, there is a allotted number of days. That's what the wise man said. And then he said, there's a time and a purpose and a time to every purpose under heaven. Okay, God has put there to be in our lives everything that we face that we say is a season that's happening to us. It's a date and an end. And then to every purpose that we have, God is date stamped. Now, do I believe that's written in stone? I believe God has the authority to change that. I believe that if we just say, I'm leaving it up to fate, which I don't believe in. But if you just take that attitude, well, it's just it's going to be whatever it is. It is what it is. No, it is not. God is the author and the finisher of our faith. I believe we can pray and pray earnestly. We have examples in the Bible where he took the sun and moved it. So we know that God can change things. Now, but the Bible does tell us there is a period of time and there is a purpose and a time. Now, can that be altered? God is God and he can do whatever he wants to. But the Bible does tell us there will be seasons in our life and there will be purposes in our life and that purpose is up to God. That we know. Now, let's go back to Ecclesi uh, excuse me, to Galatians and I want to read just a couple verses ahead of that. In um 
in Galatians 6, I want to start at 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, I'm going to say this before I start. 6, 7. As you know by now, I go to the Old Testament for a lot of examples where it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. This is what I take it to mean. Everybody's different. This is me. When God gave a command to Noah, he said, This is the instructions you build the ark. How many times do you think Noah was mocked? He said, Go out and build this, and you do it, and this is the word of God. How many people do you think come by mocked him? God is not mocked. He will deal with it. We have been given uh, commands how to live our life, how to conduct our life, the plan of salvation. I'm telling you, bring that up to right now. God will not be mocked. They can make fun of you, the way you dress, the women, the way you wear your hair. God will not be mocked. So I look at it just the way that God commanded Noah. You build this. This will be their salvation if they will take advantage of it. But I'm telling you, God will not be mocked. He said, that I will deal with. So that is one thing. Now, verse 8. For he that soweth, now I want you to pay note. He that soweth to his flesh. It says his flesh. Not and notice the connection that it makes here. But he that soweth to his flesh. But look what else it says. Shall all the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth. It doesn't say to his spirit. But he that soweth to the spirit. Friend. God has given us of his spirit. It's not our spirit. It's the Holy Ghost that God has put within us. When we sow to the flesh, it is our flesh. But it's life everlasting that God has given us. So when we sow to the Spirit, when we sow to the Holy Ghost that God has given within us, God is telling us that if you will sow unto me, I'll give you life everlasting. Number seven says, they're not going to mock me and get away with it. And get this, they're not going to mock you and get away with it. God said, I will not be mocked. And what he means is you will not be mocked and get away with it. For he that soweth to the Spirit, because I have put my Spirit in you, and you do the will of God, and you do the commandments of God, therefore you will be blessed with life everlasting. Okay, now I get back to where we started. And be not weary in well-doing. For he's telling this. He says, now, in due season, he says, be not weary. That means literally. He says, be not weary in well-doing. Literally, that means, when you look it up, to be utterly spiritless. In other words, you have just went to the point, as we would say, there's just no more life left in me. God said, be not weary. Don't go to the point that you have just worked all the life out of you. And that don't mean the air that you're breathing. Don't work all the Holy Ghost out of you. You can't just be so spiritually minded as we would say you're of no earthly good. You have got to not work yourself to death doing the things of God that you don't stay just full of the Holy Ghost. 
You can do it. There's too many, we have too many modern day examples of people that for the will of God has worked their self and became spitter and became ultra, uh, ultimately spiritless. And it says, be not weary in well doing is what the Bible is telling us. Now he says, for in due season. Now, we say that, give me what's due me. But the Bible don't do it like that. It don't just uh, say that. We say, give me what's due and then we say me. But where it says in due season. But the Bible makes it distinguish. Where it says in due. What that literally means is pertaining to one's self. That means whatever season that God planted you in. Ever what good you sown to the spirit. God has it recorded. And you will be, re- be recorded to ever what you gave in that season. It's not where it's just the whole thing is going to be allotted. That doesn't mean that. It says don't be weary and then do what's coming directly to you is what it means. Don't be weary. Don't be weary. For in due season, that season of time that you was in, that you think nobody was watching, nobody seen what I did, God did. He knew exactly what you gave, how much effort you exerted. Believe me, it is the Bible. He says you in due season that you gave, you will be rewarded for that. Not just a lump sum, here it is. No, God has it recorded. And then he says, in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, this is a little sensitive, so I, I just pray you just bear with me. It's just life, and, and in church we, we just deal with life. So, it says, if, and we shall reap if we faint not. Now, if we faint not. Literally, that means to lose heart. Now, in the ancient world, what lose heart actually meant, this phrase, lose heart, was used for the kind of fear and weariness that a woman experienced during labor, but before birth. The pain was there, but she hadn't produced the promise. And this is what it means to faint. And the Bible says, don't do this. Don't be so weary. Because what you're doing, all this time that you have invested, when you get, you're going to miss it. You have been to the point that you have sowed. You have waited on God. You have invested all of this. But in the end, you was the promise was there. But in the pain of the promise, the birth pains, the pain of it got to you. And in the weariness of it, you failed to produce the promise. And in the weariness of this, you could not. And you lost heart. But this kind of fear is what we can't have. Paul said, don't get to this point where this is what it actually means. It is what a woman experiences. Don't do this. Now, when you take and do this, it's just like the Bible talks about us being on the potter's wheel. Sometimes we feel like this. We're just spinning. We're not going nowhere. We're just this lump of clay that the Bible talks about. All it feels like sometimes is I'm just going round and round. I'm not going nowhere. What am I accomplishing? 
we have to stay still long enough for allow God to work on us. And sometimes it just wearies us in the waiting. We want it. We, how many times have it been said? We are the microwave generation. I don't know what the next phase is going to be quicker than that, but we are just the one tapping on the microwave. How come this thing won't hurry up? We want it faster and faster and faster. We don't even have the patience, so to speak, to wait. We just want it, you know. But we are the pottery. And then sometimes if we, if I just knew what God was doing, if I could just see this raw up of clay and I could see the end result over here, then I would have the patience to wait on it. I'm an American. I have entitlement. I need to know why this is being done. But it's not like that. God don't owe us that. We have to have the faith to realize that whatever this is going to turn out to be is going to be the best for me. And I have to trust God that this ugly lump of clay that he has took, he is going to produce something spectacular for his glory. And that's going to worry me in time because I'm thinking, Lord, really? This again? But I have to have the patience to wait on God. For he truly has. He's took up his spirit and put in this lump of clay. And wait on the Lord. Psalms 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. But one of our biggest burdens is in the waiting. It's in the waiting. I know it is for me. I'll just leave you out of it. What are some of the emotions that you have felt, literally, on the waiting? It's just... We don't like to wait. I'll leave you out. I don't like to wait. And I don't. Paul wrote, But of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Long-suffering, the very word, don't make us feel at ease. But if he could have just said short-suffering, That would have made us feel a little bit better. But it says long-suffering. Really? Long-suffering? Long-suffering? Can't change the Bible. Long-suffering is translated in the King James Version. comes from a Greek word that speaks of patience, endurance, consistency, steadfastness, and perseverance. Now, the true irony of it is this. It's while we are waiting on God, God is waiting on us. Because we can only take so much. And because it's just like, and it's the truth, I raise, boy, that was a wrong statement. We raise three boys. And you just don't take a set of car keys and hand to a 10-year-old child. Just as while we think, God, I can handle this, I can't believe that this I've been praying for, you hadn't given me already. And sometimes, you know, we think, well, I just, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed, why don't I have this? And it could be the case, you know, God is just saying, I'm waiting, a little bit more shaping. But I'm tired of waiting, I feel weary. All I do is just, I'm just spinning round and round on the potter's wheel. And I really would like this blessing that I have been praying for. Or this devotion that I've been praying for. And God is saying, but I'm waiting on you just a little bit longer. That is the true irony of it. Noah waited 120 years 
for the sin-cursed world. But the 120 years of working and waiting, this had to be a season uncertainty for Noah. His commitment to God, to God's commands, took a bizarre turn when he started building the ark. But waiting has a way of separating us from the cynics and the skeptics. Surely while Noah was building the ark, God was building Noah. He was becoming a preacher of righteousness. His lifestyle of consecration and commitment was proclaiming the will of God for his generation. Now this was not no John boat he was building in the backyard. It ain't like he was just building this little skit out in the back, or skip out in the back. This joker's 450 foot long. It's a little hard to hide that. So he's telling them, and they think, what is wrong with you? Don't you know that water comes from the earth, not from the sky? But God is not mocked. This is what God said to do. This is what I'm doing. And surely he did it. Genesis 6 proclaims, or the last verse of Genesis 6 proclaims the mindset of Noah, for he was a model of those of us that intend to survive any season of waiting. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. This he did, so did he. Now, we are living proof that this did, that it did not end with the eight. He did this. Now, the Bible says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, for we have great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience. After that ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. And that is a mouthful, if I may say so. For after we have done and completed, as we would say, Thus saith the Lord, that we would wait and just wait on God to fulfill the promise. When he comes... It would seem as though that our waiting was only uh, just a momentary, considering the glory that shall be revealed in us. It will be truly worth the wait. Because there again, this is a walk of faith. If God could just take us for a few seconds and just give our mind a glimpse of eternity, then... I could understand it a little better, but he doesn't. All we have is the few short years, and it's it's over for us in this flesh. And the Bible says we're going to an eternity. And I'm telling you, without the Spirit of God anointing in us, we can't understand that. That's why this is a walk by faith. And you, the scientists tell us you walk outside and on a clear night, you can see approximately 2,000 stars with your naked eye. But yet they tell us they is millions and millions that we can't see. Just the vastness of the universes and the galaxies. And all of this God has created. But all we see is just with our natural eye. So... That's why it's not hard to me, hard for me to believe in a eternity. Because if I go on just what my eyes can see, then all my eyes can see is just what's, just what's my little world that's around me. When God says there's so much more, <laughs> there's so much more than your eyes is seeing. Just your little world is what you're basing everything on? No, this is a walk of faith.
This is a walk of faith. It truly is. Through faith we yield to the will of God in our lives. We truly, truly do. Now, what are you waiting for? Jesus said, in your patience possess ye your souls. And that's why I said that is not something I think that is developed overnight unless divinely inspired by God. Are you waiting to possess a promise? If you are, I think you are in the right place and doing the right thing. Now, the waiting season is a growing season. The waiting season provides the ultimate proving ground for our obedience to God's plan. It's our season to trust God and to trust Him and to light in His Word. I am waiting, but here's the thing. I am waiting, but I am not wasting time. I am devoting myself. I'm not wasting away. I'm giving myself. I'm drawing near to the Lord through this process. The master potter's will is well-worn and well-proven. As for God, His way is perfect. His track record is beyond remarkable. And from Bible times to modern times, it is perfect. Only a master potter could produce a masterpiece from a obscure discarded clay but over a time and a season of waiting did this happen for this vessel to be perfect such was their journey on a lonely hillside known only as a shepherd boy and his father's sheep and the master potter had chose David a tireless molding and grueling shaping that would make David a vessel of royalty now we know this is one thing I love about the Bible it don't leave nothing out that's why I'm glad I'm not in the Bible I don't know if I'd want all my faults broadcast. But of the men and women that we love, it don't set a benchmark up here so high that we can't obtain. And it just sets, it just sets a mark that all of us can't obtain to. That's why on the potter's wheel that we can say, if I can just wait on the Lord and allow God to mold me and make me what I need to be. How many times did David wonder about the process? How many twists and turns on the wheels was he going out of control? And did he possibly come off the wheel itself? But he always went back to the potter's wheel. It's always go back. If you're marred, as the Bible puts it, make sure you're marred on the potter's wheel. For there's no better place to be than be put back together. The Bible says we are destined to be kings and priests. And we are waiting for the working in us. For in the end we'll be fashioned for His holy purpose. God has directed us. He's given us. And what we need to be. Now I want you to take, I'm going to take, and I have spoke of waiting on the Lord I want to go to a scripture that we quote a lot. It's in Isaiah. But I, I, just, I just want you to look at it with me. If they would, I want them to put Isaiah 40, 31. And let's look of what it means to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Now, 
to be an overcomer in the Lord. The true key to unlocking this verse is to wait. But it's not wait as we would think. It's not wait on humanity. It's wait on the Lord. We are to wait on the Lord. Now, in, in true terms, what does that really mean? Wait on the Lord. We would look at it as, as time going on, as time being spent. But the true key, the true key to this is wait. And I looked it up, and the word wait in, he, wait in Hebrew is, is quava, is what it, the word is in Hebrew. Now, the word has two definitions or meanings, we would say. And I'll do it like this. I thought about how to do it, and I'll just do it like this, so you'll understand what I mean. Like we would say death. And I think to a church, I could say, um, if someone is dead, a literal meaning of that word is someone that is absent, a body that is absent of its spirit. That body is dead. Okay? And if you used a figure of speech, if you said you went to a church, not this church, but if you went to a church and you come back and said that church was dead. Now, it is not that they had dead corpses sitting in there. You understand. That church was absent of spirit. So, you have a literal meaning, and then you have a figurative meaning. So, when you look this up, they that wait on the Lord, for some reason, beyond me, the translators chose to use a figurative meaning of the word wait. And what... So, what they took, and so, but what I want to give you is the literal meaning. The literal meaning of the word wait. And it's could be the reason why they didn't use it. I don't know. I don't know why they didn't use it. But what it means, literally means, the word wait, is when you take strands Basically, the way I would describe it, if you took strands, pieces of rope, and you bound them together, the weaving, and you put them together, and you wove them together to make a rope, is what the word weight means. You are taking and you are weaving something together. And what you're doing, each time you put a strand on it, you are adding strength to the rope. So that's what the word weight means. It's what you're doing is you are taking a rope and all the time you are waiting, the rope is being strengthened. So they that, because you can read it in the verse, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Each one of these is referring to strength. So when we take and look at this, we look at this in, in opposite, where the Bible says that they shall mount upon wings as eagles and they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. We think that should be reversed. You know, first you should walk, then you should run, then you should fly. But liken that to our Christian, what I want to liken it to is our Christian life. If you have lived this a while, 
it's just like when we start, it's just like God is so good and so precious. It's just like He just gives us wings to fly. And then as age gets to us, we slow to a run. And then as time progresses and hits our body, then we slow to a walk. But the Bible says, all this time you have waited on me. And all I've done through all of this time, you have added strands to that rope. And that rope will not break. Because you have waited on the Lord. Not on man. You have waited on Lord. Now, what I think, and I think, I can say, I thought about this. I think I can, we're in a rural area. I hate to call names, but Brother Gibson, Sister Gibson, others, I wish Brother Corn was here, Sister Boyd, others, and just pardon me for calling names. But here's one thing, like I say, this is a rural area, and I think you'll understand, that here's one thing about using this literal definition. This is literally what it means, is to take the strands, weave them, wove them together, is because a rope's strength remains constant even if it's not being used. So God said, when you slow to a walk, I will not let you lose heart. I will not let you lose heart. Your strength remains the same. God said, what you have done, you have waited in all them times that you have prayed and sought me, I've just added another I've just added another strand, and that rope will retain its strength even when it is not being tested. So when it gets to the very end and they shall walk and not faint. God said, You've waited on me, so at this end I will not let you fall. I will not let you fall. I will not let you lose heart. Because you have waited. You have spent time. You have waited on me. You've done that. Now, I want to leave one last thing with you. I want to give you one more bit of scripture to prove the strength they are in this. In the Bible, this is the beginning of the third. I know they're moving, but listen, this is the beginning of the third day. Genesis 1, 9, and God said, Let the waters under heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called seas, and God saw that it was good. Now, in verse 9, where it says, Let the waters be gathered, let the waters under heaven be gathered together. That word gathered, in verse 9, let the waters be gathered. Look it up. It's quava. It is the same exact word. Now look at the strength they are. Because the earth was covered with water at this time. And God said, let the strength of this take. Because you know why? Because God needed to create humanity. He needed dry land to do this. And he commanded the waters to, to pull together. 
So when you look up the word gathered, you'll see quava is there. So that is in the strength they are in waiting on the Lord. We're not waiting on humanity. When you wait on the Lord, remember, God is not mocked. When you obey these scriptures and apply them to your heart, God will not be mocked. You are not wasting time. You are fulfilling as thus saith the Lord. So when you are waiting, you are doing the will of God. And it is more strength being added to you than you really realize. Waiting on the Lord. God bless you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.